This is the Be God's Light podcast with Ben Greenbaum and Mark Elsesser. And this year in 2024, we are diving into the Old Testament for a deep look at how God has been at work from the very, very beginning. And today, I have special guests with me. Ben is out, but we have my friend Jim Ballinger and Dan Kaufman, both from Harris Chapel Church of the Nazarene. We're doing something a little different today. We're recording by Zoom because they are in Selma, Indiana, and I'm in Fishers, Indiana, and we are thankful to have you guys here. So welcome to both of you. Thank you, Mark. Yes, thank you for having us. It's really good to have you here. You know, I've, I've known Jim for a long time. You, Jim, you were on a podcast with me last year, and that's that's why we're doing it this year. It was so popular, Jim, that it, like by popular demand, we had to keep it going. The podcasts in general, and you in particular, so welcome back, brother. It's a team effort. Yes, it is. And Dan, you know, uh, I've I've known you kind of indirectly for a super long time. That is your wife, Erica, was at father-child camp when I directed a father-child camp about 100 years ago. Yeah, um, she has told me about it. And my daughter and your wife became friends during that father-child camp. And that was, I mean... A long time ago that I you know the kids were maybe five. I don't really remember. So it's it's good. You guys work together. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. Well, Dan grew up in Harris Chapel. His family moved here. I don't know, Dan, were you guys about, were you about seven or six or when did you come? Do you remember? Uh, probably eight or nine. Yeah. Well, they were here, uh, got involved. They were in the youth group along with several other youth, maybe Dan can share about that in a minute. He went off to Ball State and then got into the Navy. Uh, he and Erica both have been a valuable part of our youth group, either directly or indirectly, uh, since I met him, whether they were part of being in the group or leading the group. And I think it was what, about five and a half years ago, uh, came back on staff, and it's just been an amazing uh, relationship, not only in the life of the church and and uh, ministry that happens there. But in the life of the community, there's just such a um, effort where he, he and I are both, and, and our wives, are immersed in the life of the community. And it's just been a powerful uh, experience. I'm grateful to share kind of one of those things you have to, and I'm being honest, I, I, sometimes I have to pinch myself just to really believe it's happening because uh, ministry can definitely have its uh, highs, lows, twists, and turns. It's just a joy to, to do life with Dan. Yes. And, uh, you know, I always tell everybody, even though I'm an associate here on staff, I have a unique, wonderful relationship with the senior pastor. So Pastor Jim's discipled me and led me since I was nine years old and I did grow up in this church. And so now just to see how God's had his hand in uh, just leading me and guiding me. And uh, when I did surrender to the call full time to ministry, how Pastor Jim was just right there encouraging me. He was the first person I called. Um, to talk through what that looked like. And uh, so I am just so thankful to one have actually done the majority of my life with Pastor Jim, but also just this season of ministry to do together and just serve the Lord together. It truly is a, a privilege and it is so much fun. So, What a cool relationship that you guys have had all those years in pastor-parishioner relationship. And now it's colleagues working with one another. Uh, I want to get into that a little bit. We're we're going through the Old Testament this year, and we're into the life of Moses just a bit. 
for the next several weeks. You know, there's a lot in there with four books of the Bible that are related to Moses. But we're we're going to look at how Moses relied on other people. You know, we think of Moses as like almost like a superhero. He didn't need anybody else. He lifted up his arms and the waters would part, you know, and he, he would he would cry out to God and water would come out of a rock, you know, or man would fall from heaven. A lot of times, like, we see Moses is doing that. But in this story, we're going to jump in first. It shows his demand or his need for other people around him. I'm just going to jump right in, and then I'll we'll, we'll dive into this with you guys a little bit as it makes sense to you. I'm in Exodus 17 today, and this is Moses has now led the people across the Red Sea, and they're they're now on the other side. They're free, but freedom means that you don't have the Egyptians oppressing you, but freedom means you have the Amalekites attacking you. So here are these people, and they've they've gone on their way. They've got a taste of freedom. But now they've got to organize themselves into some sort of fighting force. And in Exodus 17, we'll get in verse 8, it says, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. You know, that, that staff of God, I, I sometimes call it the rod of God. It's, it was pretty powerful. It was, it was something that he used when he went in to face down Pharaoh. And he threw it down on the ground. It became a snake. And he lifted it up. And the waters parted at the Red Sea. So he had this staff in his hands. And it was, I don't think it was a magic wand. <laughs> I mean, it was a, but it was yet something that God had said, hold this in your hand. This is, this is going to re- remind you that I'm the one with you. You had this staff in your hand when, I appeared to you at the burning bush, God said, keep it. This is your reminder that the power of God is with you. It was a pretty important piece for him to carry with him. Pick it up in verse 10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. That's the place to be. Send send the boys down in the valley and go to the top of the hill. Sounds like a pretty clever move there. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You know, it's a little bit of a strange story. I mean, I don't know what a a dude holding his hands up, how that affects the battle down on the ground. And when when his arms get tired, there have been times when I've had to hold my arms in a certain position for a really long time. And it's hard to do. You, You would think, you know, that's... Lifting up your arms is no big deal. Lifting them up and leaving them up for a super long time is really hard to do. I, I don't know. First of all, like, what, what do you even make of this story that his hands up in the air mean the battle down in the valley wins and he 
puts his arms down because he's tired and his people start getting swords through their stomachs. Uh, <laughs> you got anything on this that can help me understand it? I've always loved this story because, and Moses did, you know, his father-in-law came to him and said, you need help uh, at different times and, and help, you know, uh, that process. Um, and he knew that he needed Joshua and uh, he needed Caleb. Uh, sometimes I think he had questions about Aaron and what he was doing or not doing. But um, it, I think the first thing that got me was was Joshua. He was fighting the battle, but he needed the uh, oversight and the encouragement uh, of Moses. And then, and this kind of maybe, I don't want to twist the scripture too far. It When Aaron and Hur come on either side and lift up his arms, that tells me that Moses needed the support of others. I saw this scripture decades ago. It impacted me as to part of my responsibility is to lift up, uh, to be like an Aaron or a Hur, because there are people that are in battle, like Joshua, and there are people that are trying to be supportive and lead like Moses. Um, and, and, and Moses needs help. And maybe one of the best things I can do is just lift up his arms. I've, I've tried to do that over the years of ministry. Um, I, I see Dan as, as being in the battlefield a lot and I try to help whenever I can. So I'm up there, maybe people are propping up my arms, but, but, but I, I just want to, as, as we're going through this transition time over the next year to be that one, to hold up his arms and, and help him. I, I think the first thing, and maybe it's just a super long question, is that that we have to be in concert and we have to be in connection with each other because ministry doesn't happen in a vacuum and it doesn't happen in isolation. Uh, we it, it really is a, is a is a network effort. It's a team effort. It's a collaborative effort. So that there's just so many moving pieces there. But that's me. Dan, what do you think, sir? I kind of just went. Yeah, I have I have two thoughts uh, about it, and the second one's very similar to what you just said, Pastor Jim. But uh, the first thought I have is like you know up to this point in Exodus, when we see as Moses is leading the Israelites, he's constantly engaged in whatever the Israelites are doing. He's you know it's interesting that he's in the imagery in this passage. He's kind of almost above it, and he's watching. But yet, because his arms are raised, he is still actively engaged with whatever is going on um, around him. And so I think it's an example uh, to those who are fighting, like, hey, our leader is right here with us. He is still engaged. His part looks a little different than our part, but he is right here. And then the second thing that kind of stands out to me is what Pastor Jim was saying is this idea of, uh, you know, Aaron and her coming alongside Moses. They see that the Lord has used Moses in all of these miraculous ways throughout this entire Exodus journey up to this point, And they see what God is doing through him. They see they, they're hearing the promises that God has told Moses and how Moses is relaying that information to him. And they know that his arms are going to get tired. And, and you know, you can make that a, a spiritual connection, too, about how weary he's going to get. The Israelites are known for their grumbling at times. And so he's getting weary. He's getting tired. And now physically, as he's holding up his arms. And so here are these two men that come alongside and say, hey, we are we are here with you in this battle. Our part may look different than the part of Joshua down there with the sword. But we are here. And as Pastor Jim was saying, that this is a team effort. And so I think, uh, you know, just to put it in the context of what Pastor Jim was saying, I look at me as coming alongside Pastor Jim as an Aaron at times. If he's holding his arms up, leading us into a charge, into whatever that is, 
my part may be just to hold his arms up as he's as he's directing whatever that charge is and so that uh, the Lord is seen through that process. And so uh, those would be my first two thoughts. You said, Dan, that you came to the church when you were about nine. And Jim, how long have you been pastor at Harris Chapel? Uh, this next month, it'll be 26 years. Okay, that's really awesome. 26 years. So that's the, the past leading up to the present. As you think about the present leading into the future, why do you think it's important? You talked about transition time that you're in. Why do you think it's important for you guys to hold each other's arms up in ministry? What what is that? What is that present into the future? Why is that such a valuable thing for you to do for one another and you to demonstrate for the congregation? For me, it's uh, a tone that is set, and, and I've always told Pastor Dan this, that that I would never want him to try to be me, number one. But also, um, I think sometimes pastors, and I'm, this is just me talking, uh, there's kind of like they come in and it's like, uh, the last guy did this, but we're going to do that. And they come in with their their uh, their their programs and their uh uh, all the things that they've studied and learned, they say, well, you know, the last pastor may be more of a shepherd, but I'm going to be an administrator or vice versa, or I'm a prophet or I'm an evangelist. And they have, they have I, I think the congregation, and this is what I've learned is as, as the pastor, you're really immersed in that congregation. Now you're, you're different because you're the shepherd, but at the same time, you're in the congregation. So you really can't, oh, it's hard to say it, you want to lead, but you have to lead from not like, up high and in a corner somewhere saying, follow me, you kind of lead as you are, uh, you know, the old phrase, incarnational leadership. So I guess what my thought was, I would never want people to say, hey, I'm Jim, I'm whoever, and I'm leaving, and it's all going to be over, it's all going to go downhill. Uh, I want it to be a seamless transition, and it's really, to be totally candid, I don't know that there are any pieces left that have to happen for that seamless transition, because I think Dan and Erica are so embedded here. But, but I, to answer your question, it has to be, I believe, that, that there's a, a passing of the baton. Uh, I've got a baton over on my office shelf that, that I bought because I thought about, like, in a relay race, you know, we're getting ready, getting ready for, I think it's uh, track season starting up here. They're practicing, and I was with the guy who's the assistant track coach uh, Monday. We were talking, and I thought about the baton being passed. You don't want to drop that thing because it's a race that the whole church is involved in. So maybe I'm just stammering around to get to this idea. The church is a sacred trust, and I don't want to drop the church. So I guess maybe that hopefully answers what I'm thinking. Yeah, it does. So let, let me just clarify. Um, you're planning to pass the baton at some point. What, what does that mean? Right. Um, I, I look at it as just retiring, stepping away. Uh, March of next year, just taking that step away. And uh, we're already doing things that are like, like Pastor Dan's preaching once a month. Uh, he's in board meetings. We both bring reports. He can communicate. And like he mentioned, the Belize trip earlier to just take those questions. I'm not running interference or trying to be a go-between. I'm just, I'm just allowing him to be him. And so he's being exposed to those administrative things. He's already been exposed to the shepherding side for a number of years, but now more exposed to the administrative side and the uh, uh, things. So, so really, there it just I think it just has to do with I, I don't want there to be a hiccup. Uh, there may there'll be a lot of new things that'll happen, 
and things that we've done that will just disappear. And that's okay because it's not about me. I, I just want the congregation to know they're, they're really in good hands, if that makes sense. Yeah, it really does. So, Dan, at that point in time, um, you'll receive the baton, and your role will change. Well, why is it important that between now and then, it's a year out, between now and then, you hold up Jim's hands and he holds up yours, and you guys have each other's back in ministry as, as you'll transition into your new role? So I think about this pretty often, Pastor Mark. Uh, so like I said, uh, I came, I, I moved to this area a few months after Pastor Jim had started as the lead pastor here. So we have been here almost the entire time together. I mean, I know I was in the military for a little bit and gone, but uh, there are so many, <laughs> so many examples of God's faithfulness currently right now in my life as I'm ministering here that, uh, you know, I could I could go on for hours literally and choke up and cry and explain to you just how I can see how God's hand's been all over this. And one of those big things is how I mentioned how Pastor Jim has discipled me all of these years and even before we even knew what the Lord was doing. And so uh, as Pastor Jim looks to transition and, and we are on board for whatever the Lord has for us, my wife and I and my kids and everything, uh, we want to we want to honor the Lord. We want to honor the church and we want to honor Pastor Jim's leadership. You know, I joke around with a lot of people um, and, uh, and it's not really that much of a joke. But like there's this book we read one time where it talked about if your church closed tomorrow, would your community notice it? And absolutely, our community would notice it tomorrow if our church closed. But our community is going to notice when Pastor Jim retires as well. And so he has just been a, a pillar and a staple in this community for 26 however many years that is. And so uh, I had another pastor friend that kind of helps mentor me one time. And he was like, uh, you never want to take a church if somebody's been there longer than 20 years. That's That was his advice. He's like, if they've been there longer than 20 years, you don't want to step into that lead pastor position. And I said, well, I think I think God might be doing something a little different this time. We'll, we'll, see, what, we'll see what happens. But uh, it is a unique, wonderful, awesome testament to God's faithfulness. And as I see you know, this, the scripture that we keep referring to here is Aaron comes alongside Moses. That literally is. And I mean, we know what happens after <laughs> Moses doesn't go into the promised land with him. Right. And like, so he's doing all of this. And so I think about how uh, Pastor Jim has encouraged me, equipped me, discipled me and supported me and loved me. Uh, not only do I just want to do that because we're so close to him, but I also realize the impact his ministry has in our community. And uh, I want to support that because I see how the Lord uses him every single day. And uh, so whatever I can do, if that's literally holding his hands up, uh, I mean, let's hold his hands up. Yeah, that's, that's really great. I, when I think about this, you know, I know it's well beyond your guys' relationship with each other. And I, perhaps in, in all my years of ministry, I've never known anybody who is embedded in a community more than Jim Ballinger. Uh, you know, you're one of my closest friends on earth, but I, I just observed the way that you were involved in the in the community, in the school, when there was an Ironman race out by the reservoir. You know, like whatever it is, that you just are there for people. And so it, this goes well beyond a, a senior and associate pastor and a future, a future transition on that. It goes to the way that you live life. I, I want to take that idea and transition it to chapter 18 of Exodus uh, for the next few minutes, because the the battle's over and life goes on. And now it's just sort of 
they're trying to figure out, the Israelites are trying to figure out how to live in a free society. They had been under Egyptian rule for 400 years, so they had no idea how to structure a society. And their, their thought was, well, we'll just make Moses, the superhero guy, be the judge and jury for everything. Anytime there was a dispute, an argument, uh, whatever they were, where they were going at each other for, he they would come and bring their case to him. That's Exodus 18. We're not going to have time to read the entire story, except we're, I'm going to pick it up at chapter 18, verse 17, because Moses' father-in-law shows up. And we have to remember that Moses spent 40 years around his father-in-law, from age 40 through 80. And so he really knew this man. It was It was his dad. In all practical words, the same kind of relationship you guys are talking about. And before God appeared to him in the burning bush and he went back and freed the people, he he was a shepherd for his father-in-law Jethro. Well, when, once he leads the people out, he's judging people and st- sitting as judge for their disputes. And I love it because in verse 17, it says this, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. I can just stop there for a minute. When you have somebody tell tell you, hey, what you're doing is not good. Bad job here. What, what do you think you're up to? Those are the hard words to hear. I, I just want to stop for a moment. And then he gives him advice. We're not going to go into all it. Gives him advice on how to restructure and reorganize everything. And in verse 24, it says Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said, and he reorganized the whole judicial system. But what I want to get into is this. Somebody that has the courage to say, hey, you didn't do this very well. What you're doing is not good. Try again. And for the recipient to listen and do it and to make the changes and to say, I trust you. So I want to go outside of the relationship you guys have with each other and just ask you, have you had people in your life mentor you with sometimes great encouragement and sometimes great challenge? And if so, what made you listen to them? In the context of this story, uh, Moses had, like you said, that 40-year connection. And so there was a lot of trust that had been established. And even as a simple shepherd, they weren't, you know, working on Wall Street or, or founding a, a major corporation, but they were spending a lot of deep time together in conversation. And, and I think that's a big thing. Um, one thing for me is, is the trust issue. Um, when I see somebody who comes and they say, hey, have you thought about this or that? Not in a judgmental way, but in, in building a context way, um, if if it's somebody that I've been like, like I know a friend named Kevin, we've been on some mission trips together. And, and I've talked to Kevin before. He's a successful businessman, lives up in Fort Wayne now. And when something comes up, I call him up and I trust him because I've watched how he's conducted his life, his family, his business, his relationships. So I, I, I have to put that in context. If somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you don't look like you're doing that right, and there's somebody who is just kind of 
I don't know, ding dong about everything else. <laughs> I have to kind of weigh that out. Yet at the same time, I've gotten some good counsel from ding dongs too. So it really has, I guess the word I think of is discernment and context, those two words to, to listen carefully, because I know the Lord can speak, but, but I think in this thing with Moses and Jethro, it really was a deep, deep friendship that was built on trust. Hmm. And as I think about it too, uh, you know, oftentimes, I don't know about for either of you uh, in your ministries as you think about it, but I can quickly recall some of the, you know, maybe more challenges than some of the encouragement at times. And uh, I think about, uh, you know, I have somebody in my life as well named Kevin, different Kevin, um, who has poured into me throughout my lifetime as well and, and throughout my ministry. And uh, he has, I have known him since I was probably about the same time since I've, I, I've been along with Pastor Jim, I've known him. And so I have this established relationship with him, this authentic friendship. Uh, he has uh, brought me alongside when he would, uh, he would mentor a lot of young folks uh, when we were growing up, and most of them were athletes and basketball players. The Lord's given me a lot of gifts. Athleticism is not one of them, but he always included me in those groups that he, uh, that he had. And as such, we created this relationship where he had uh, an open door, I guess, responsibility, accountability, all these words we could use to where he could speak those hard things into my life. You know, the passage here says, hey, this thing that you're doing isn't good. There was one time where he came alongside me and uh, had some advice afterwards and said, I don't know if I would do that again. And it, had it been anybody else, I might have been like, OK, sure. Yeah. But because it came from this trusted source, this trusted friend who I know loves me, I know loves the Lord. It did cause me to stop and think. And it's like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't do that again. That That's right. And it was nothing, nothing serious. It was just some small advice. But the same thing happens. So I think we have these these people in our in our lives that they are trusted, as Pastor Jim said, that we have that relationship with. And we we know their hearts and we know their intentions, right? It is truly because they love the Lord and it's truly because they love us. And so maybe that makes the challenges something we really do need to stop and think about. And then as well as the encouragement too, like anybody can have a compliment or an encouragement or a word of affirmation, but if it's coming from somebody that you have a relationship with who you know is seeking the Lord, who know, you know loves you and cares about your relationship with the Lord, not just your ministry and what you're doing, but your actual walk with the Lord, well, their encouragement has a little bit more weight to it as well. And so I think, as Pastor Jim said, the word discernment, you just have to discern what what role the person giving the challenge or the encouragement plays in your life. That's really, really great wisdom. I would say, you know, as I think about my own life, um, I spent 18 and a half years as pastor at the Compass Church just down the road from you guys. And then I transitioned here to Fishers. and the loss of the relationships is the hardest part. It's kind of like a start over. I know Jim, you and I get together a couple times a year and we'll we'll reconnect, but that's different than seeing each other two or three times a week out out running or at the Y or or whatever, just processing through life. And I do know that um, that that becomes a hard thing because that trust is an important part of being able to receive correction from somebody, and then to make the course adjustment on the way. And I, I think about Moses in this situation, how he had, he'd been the man, you know, he, he'd been the guy that, that did it. He faced down Pharaoh, he, he did all this stuff. And then here comes the guy that says, you're not doing it right. 
And he could have easily just said, hey, pops. I mean, Moses was 80. So how old is your father-in-law? Yeah, he could have just said, you know, take a hike. Um, I'm not paying attention to you anymore. But he didn't. And there's something about that teachable spirit, that humility, uh, that I really admire in this story. In both of these stories, it, he let somebody lift up his hands when he could have said, ah, I'm a tough guy, I can do it. That kind of goes to like the physical macho man image. And then he let somebody tell him the way he was leading the people was wrong, which goes to this whole pride thing that that people face. Maybe men face it more, I don't know. But both of these stories, he had somebody come alongside him and rescue him from himself, which is pretty amazing. And he he said, all right, I'll, I'll listen. I'll pay attention. Uh, Jim, give me a, a final thought from this whole episode we've had. Well, I, as you were talking right there, Mark, I kind of fast forwarded it to today um, in our world, having those those relationships. And that's one thing. And I'll try not to tear up here. One thing I appreciate about you is that in ministry, it's kind of like a Jonathan and David thing because they needed each other. I know we're jumping to a different scripture story here, but there is that bond and they saw something in the other person, a spiritual depth. And that's one thing I've always appreciated about you that, that sometimes we look at, cause you've, we've talked a lot about pastor Dan and I being together all these years. You, you've had a way of when we've been together, I've seen it immediately, which has helped me over the years to reach back. Like if I get in a crisis of sorts to be able to call you up, and maybe have a little small talk and say, hey, I still see the mailbox in front of your former house has the word Elsesser on it. When are you coming back to pastor? Uh, we get that. You know, I like to break the, the ice with that and, and get a chuckle. But but really to jump into the deeper things, um, I see it both in Exodus 17 and 18 that there was a connection. There's Aaron, her, Moses, Joshua, Jethro, Moses, that, that there was just, you know, we talk about in the New Testament with with the presence of Christ around the Holy Spirit in us, the presence of Christ on us, that we can have that familial connection with other believers. So that's what helps me. We talk about Pastor Dan, our relationship. I connected with you as well. That because of the Spirit at work, we have such an advantage, even over what Moses had. It talks a little about that in Hebrews, but but just to live in that, to dwell in that. And and, to, and some phrase that may still be used by some people to lean into that, that, that it truly gives us the support we need. So I guess that's my thought. And I appreciate you, Mark, for having us on. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate those kind words. And I feel obviously the exact same about you. Hey, Dan, would you be willing to close our time in prayer? Absolutely. Thank you. Let us pray. Jesus. I thank you for these moments to share with my brothers, Lord. I thank you for Pastor Mark and the, the work you have him doing in Fishers and his communities and around the world, Lord. I just pray that you just continue to strengthen him and equip him to do the mission that you're calling him to do, Lord. Lord, I thank you for Pastor Jim. And just as we've talked about all morning, just uh, what he means to me personally and the, the discipleship and the leading and the example that he gives me each day, Lord, he is such a blessing to my life. And as well as Pastor Mark, these are great moments as we look at your word, Lord, and we see how this uh, 
this leading and calling leaders and equipping these leaders and bringing support systems around them is it's nothing new. It's been a part of your plan this whole time, Lord. And so may we look at this example that we see with Moses and Aaron and her and Joshua and Jethro, Lord, and we just we take this to heart. We say, yes, we need to have people around us that one, hold us accountable and two, that'll lift us up and encourage us in what you're calling us to do, Lord. May this podcast reach those who need to hear it, Lord, and may you use it to further your kingdom. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. I appreciate you so much. Uh, everyone that's listening, we, we encourage you to continue in your pursuit of God as you're listening to this and studying the Old Testament. If you want to go deeper, you can jump in on our church's website, fishersumc.org, and click on the Be God's Light link. That will take you to more elements in this year-long study, including daily Bible readings and devotions and poems, as well as the weekly sermons and other episodes of this podcast. And if you want to stay up to date with the Be God's Light podcast, we encourage you to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. May God bless.